I always wonder when someone drops off a call, uh, like a video call like that, if their computer either shut off or just spontaneously combusted. I, I hit the wrong button. Hey, it's episode 117 of Future Chat. This is around the time when I am going to stop saying the number of the show uh, because it's getting very high. But uh, for now, we are here and we have a ton, just a ton of car news this week. But first, Nick, you posted something on Snapchat that has got me very intrigued. So I want to know what you're brewing this week. I'm brewing beer. Mm Mm-hmm. This is more so than, you know, the tea and coffee yeah. that I usually brew. What about soy sauce? <laughs> I've never brewed soy sauce. I've used it. And I think it's Who very hasn't? reasonably priced. So I don't think okay. I'll have to brew it myself. <laughs> that makes sense. But extremely so long term uh, listeners to the show will remember my brewing escapades. And. My mother sent my brewing equipment to me for my birthday. Oh, that's nice. And a buddy of mine uh, had a birthday around the same time and received brewing equipment from his girlfriend. So the IPA and Irish Red Ale uh, recipes that I've used, they were on hand and we brewed them up this week. Hmm. And things are going well I- it takes longer than a week, right? Like this is a several week thing that's not done. Yeah. We also got some very good tips from the uh, brew guy in which <laughs> I looked at my recipe and went, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And he looked at it and went, okay, don't do that. Here, <laughs> do this instead. And it seems like that'll work well. Okay. How, how do you bottle your brew? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in, twisty cap glass bottles or i don't know how I, i'm um, not a brew guy i have the uh, flip cap pint bottles okay like with a little latch type thing yep yeah with the little latch type thing cool any special ingredients in this one like a jalapeno or root beer or something no no just love okay okay just regular organic love <laughs> You make it sound like there's some kind of narcotic in there. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, you know, regular synthesized in my home love. (laughs) So uh, you'll have to follow up with us in the next couple episodes. Let us know how it's going. If you've created any pressure vessels. I had a, I had a brewing emergency yesterday. Yeah. And I wasn't here to take care of it because I was brewing elsewhere. But uh, my my research staff uh, <laughs> came across a problem. Yeah. The airlock had fallen out for some reason. And they managed to repair it over the phone because... Oh, wow. I have a very like good a research NASA staff. NASA mission. Very dedicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's... I mean, it, it may yet go very wrong because of that, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I... Uh, I'm I don't hoping know if, there was enough gaseous outflow that it would keep anything from falling in. Sure. I don't know if you, um, you ever refer to things like this seems like a pretty intense experiment slash, I don't know, endeavor that you're undertaking. Which the love or the beer? The beer. The love was definitely harder. <laughs> I would say, I would say that I was referring to the beer. Um, but that, that's the kind of thing like when I, when we, now that we have Teddy, um, when he gets through any kind of barricade we set up to prevent him from getting to other places in the house, I always yell out puppy breach <laughs> and it makes it seem way more intense than it actually is. I feel like if, if I did have some kind of, some kind of breach of this vessel, I would yell beer breach or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Just makes it seem more epic. Yeah. I, I want to say, um, I would probably go with a Dr. Strangelove sort of reference. Mm-hmm. and then say like the integrity of my precious bodily fluids <laughs> so just coming back to the science side of things i i forget how you measure the alcohol content is it density yeah it's with uh oh what do they call like a floaty it? a floaty thingy right yeah, it's a little floaty thing it's i think they call it a gravitometer or something like that mm-hmm. okay, that's gravity right. it's really density Okay. Specific gravity, isn't that? 
Maybe. That sounds right as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, I think it's density normalized okay. to water. Right. Makes sense. Cool. Yep. I was off because my stove doesn't work particularly well. So do you, <laughs> do you recalibrate it every time? So you zero it when you put it in and then the change indicates how much alcohol is in it? Well, you take like a, read, a reading before and a reading after and that'll tell right. you how much alcohol you've made. That's what I mean. So the change is not an absolute reading, but it's the change in density that shows yeah. the alcohol content. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Cool. So a lot of things have happened over the last few weeks relating to cars. And while there is a Tesla angle to this, because of course there is, and their news might be the biggest thing of all. Um, I don't know, Mike, you have, you have a couple of, you started off here. You have this Apple car story that isn't actually an Apple car story. What, uh, what made this, what made you put this in here? Well, it's, it's weird because this whole idea of Apple being in the smart car, not smart car, autonomous vehicle game Mm -hmm. has been widely speculated and rumored, but all but confirmed. Yeah. And now it's less than confirmed somehow all but canceled <laughs> like i don't it's, it's weird you had no news no official news but now there's news about that non-official news that mm-hmm. people suspected they were building their own vehicle a la tesla but now it looks like they're just potentially developing software but again not confirmed but right. now it's like well they're not building a car yeah even though they didn't confirm it's speculation on speculation kind of basically. yeah which is really weird but yeah it sounds like they're they're bowing out of the manufacturing game, which is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Tesla's kind of cornered the market on that, uh, even before the markets even started. And wow. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Traditional it's, car manufacturers are going to catch up, so to speak. You'd expect, but I guess that that's the whole game of Apple, I, I understand, is now they're going to do the software side so that car manufacturers can just license yeah or just use i don't know how that the economics works but they'd essentially use the apple software in their vehicles Mm -hmm. um which works out for everyone really because the car manufacturers already have the infrastructure and distribution and apple's good at the software side so they'll just do that it's an interesting thing because this is something that Apple hasn't really done since the 90s. Like they've specifically stayed away from licensing their software onto other hardware. Right. So that's true. I assume that's why they wanted to do it themselves. Yeah. And I could see it getting very messy because car touchscreens are horrible. And that would be the main interface right. for this. I was going to say, after you talked about them not putting their software into other hardware, I'm assuming or imagining that they'd probably build their own interface mm-hmm. and computer so to speak yeah to be put into the car so there's there's probably going to be some sort of hardware component that they're going to manufacture such as like a computer display or heads yeah. up display or whatnot to be put into your ford focus mm-hmm. i don't even know if they make that car anymore <laughs> if if it was a black box that they manufactured right. and then put in a car, I could see that being better overall than saying, here's our software bundle, car manufacturers, take it and put it with whatever hardware yeah. you want, because that has traditionally not gone very well. Yeah. How does CarPlay work right now? Because the device that you can run CarPlay on is the OEM car yeah. computer, right? It's the- not an Apple hardware. Right. I think, and I'm, I might be wrong about this, but I think Android Auto and CarPlay both work by letting the software from the phone or whatever, I think it's only phones that do it, pass through the, the entertainment system. But I don't know that if you had a car with no iPhone there that CarPlay could work. I think it basically almost like projects its interface into the car. Okay. Android Auto from my understanding, is a standalone system. It doesn't need a it phone need to a phone. work. Like you, you pair it with a phone, but I'm pretty sure it has its own standalone maps functionality and whatnot. Like it still needs an internet connection somehow. Right. But I think 
it's still functional without the phone. Okay, I, I'm but pretty I sure CarPlay is not. It would okay. be nothing if because most of the features are are like phone features that are just right displayed on the screen. Okay. Yeah, like because with Android Auto systems, if you get a car with it, I think you can still hook into like the cars, like the FM radio, and I think you could probably be playing to that. But you can switch into different modes, right? That could tap into your phone's functionality, such Mm. as calls or or music playing. Nick's (laughs) showing us. Oh, he lost his Pokemon. (laughs) No, there was a Pokestop. Okay, you lost a Pokestop. Well, he got out of range of it. Okay. Well, I wobbled out of range of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, part of this news, um, I covered this for a bit uh, a while ago on Mobile Syrup. They, uh, Apple was acquiring, or they opened an office in Ottawa, or they were leasing office space. That was the the big rumor. And it was right next to QNX, which is a software company that develops real-time operating systems for cars, like the kind you would want if you were trying to set up an autonomous car. And there were kind of rumors there that they might be working with QNX or that they are working with QNX. And so I'm curious to see how that that office space and that that kind of branching out would be affected by this. Whether they're gonna that means that that office is gonna be shut down, that research is gonna be scaled back, or if this is actually all part of the same project, so it'll stick around. But I think it's very interesting that they're going in this direction. And people have been commenting, people that know a lot more about the industry than we do. I've been commenting that it's kind of good. Like usually you don't see this kind of stuff that Apple does, but because sources are whispering or talking pretty loudly about plans, this is the kind of thing where you hear about a plan getting thought about and then canceled where Apple is actually doing this all the time and good companies that do R and D are doing this all the time. They're exploring things, but not necessarily going through with all of them. Right. So it's actually kind of healthy to have that churn. Yeah. It's more like we're, we're, seeing the curtain pulled back because exactly. we t- we technically shouldn't have heard about this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Unless it was a controlled leak, but who <laughs> which, knows at this point, which yeah. ones are, and which ones aren't. And the controlled leak thing would make sense because if they want to see what everyone thinks about Apple making a car, then they can decide they have that, that information to see if it's worth it. It's almost like free market research because oh, any sure. Apple news is going to make yeah. waves. Yeah, like they did the same thing with the allegedly, very allegedly, they did the same thing with the headphone jack. Like a year before they were going to do it, it was like the next iPhone may not have a headphone right. jack. And then within a couple months leading up to the event, it was like, yeah, it's definitely not going to have the headphone jack. Yeah, and everyone but was I, just fine with it. I think that was more getting people used to it. Well, yeah, not exactly. The idea, not like should we do it? Because I think they're probably going to do it anyway. It's just they wanted to give people a heads up versus but just at the event. Or, you know, a couple months out saying, oh, crap, this iPhone doesn't have a headphone jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And from what well, I've heard, it's been fine. I feel like the federal government might have also done a controlled leak this past week. Oh? Yeah. Like when all of a sudden it was all over the news that they might step back from electoral reform. <laughs> and then everyone, Rob on Facebook included, lost their collective minds. <laughs> and then... I think it was a day or two ago, he came back and said, no, no, we're actually totally committed to it. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> yeah. So I think that might have been a a little, because I think they made some off-the-cuff remark like, oh, yeah, but I mean, we're only going to do it if there's public appetite for such a thing. Yeah. And then, but there is public appetite. And <laughs> this is, well, of course, we know. This is your biggest promise. Why would you go back on it? Please. Maybe maybe Trump is a controlled leak <laughs> of like just crazy leadership reform. And it's like, guys, America's not ready for Trump. If if we can let this happen, <laughs> there's something wrong with the system. Yeah. People well, people have been saying that for a while because he was basically a Democrat up until the point they started running right. as a Republican. Yeah. It's, and then people still think he's secretly a Democrat yeah. running to get the Democrats in office. Yeah. Which would be a really weird long play because he's been talking <laughs> about it for a really long time. Yeah. But uh, like as late as, as as long ago as the 90s, he was talking about it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like the reason that the like the Simpsons had predicted him doing 
like doing a presidential run at some point. Okay. I forget exactly. I stopped watching The Simpsons every week a while ago, but I remember seeing the clips when, when he announced he was running. And it's like, yeah, last four years ago, the last election, he coyly said, oh, I might run for like three months, but then never actually did. And so, yeah, it's it's been slowly building to this, but it does seem really odd that uh, that such a terrible candidate is like, getting propped up by the Republican side. Yeah. But, uh, it, it more promising when future chat lost half its listeners. In <laughs> <laughs> more promising world leader news, or at mm-hmm. least industry leader news, what, what do we have uh, as far as Elon Musk is concerned? Well, that's a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> so this week was probably the biggest week since Tesla announced autopilot. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the little demo video they made, but Tesla has now put out at least a, a demo version for uh, for the press, presumably in the next couple of weeks, of fully auto-driving uh, software. So Autopilot currently does, I think it can do like on-ramps, it can do like most, like highway driving and then kind of leading up to highway driving. So you can turn it on if you're on like a a straight it doesn't necessarily have to be a highway, but like a long straight road, but mm-hmm. it won't do turns. It won't do navigation. It won't get you around or anything. It'll just basically stay in the lane. Right. Uh, so the video they announced, which I'm not exactly sure if they've set a release date, but uh, show the video of a guy summoning his car. So standing outside his house, summons the car to him, gets in, does not touch the wheel once. Uh, it's got a, It's got a destination programmed in and it just goes. And they they filmed it the entire way. They show some of the camera views that the like the other cameras there there are like four cameras pointing out in each each corner direction. So there's no blind like a car that self drives would obviously have to have no blind spots. Uh, so it goes rural roads. It reads stop signs. It stops at intersections. Like even uncontrolled intersections where there's like a lane to turn right, it'll sit and wait and stop and and then go. It went on highways. It, change lanes it it does everything and then the guy gets to i guess it's a tesla building he gets there it dr- it pulls up to the front door he gets out closes the or i guess the door closes the door because the doors open and close on their own so it opens the door at the destination he gets out door closes and then the car drives around the parking lot finds a spot and parallel parks <laughs> into it and it's like so, you don't it's door to door basically to summon the car can he just stand on the corner and shout autobots assemble <laughs> <laughs> probably not although i can see them doing that at some point okay. uh as far as i know you can summon the car using an app you just like open the tesla app and hit summon and it'll come to wherever you are but uh this is I I believe it's supposed to be by 2018 and all new cars will have the hardware all the new new Teslas that are being made now are going to have the new hardware to do this whether it won't be turned on yet and I think it'll probably go through a pretty extensive beta testing phase while they try to get government approval to to make it real but it looked really like it's it's a very impressive demo and as you know they they give it to the press and let them do kind of controlled experiments i think everyone's going to get on board with it super quickly cuz the idea of not having to drive to get somewhere in a car seems amazing now i'm assuming this wouldn't work in canada where in the winter lanes disappear yeah. and uh three-way roads turn into or three-lane roads turn into two-lane roads well so here's the thing and this is i think probably from the video that i saw this is the most important step in autonomous cars because they are the reason that they can do this so quickly iterating on this software for autonomy is the fact that they have this massive fleet of cars collecting all this data for them all the time so they not only learn where all the road markings are what the speed limits are uh, they learn how traffic drives on every road that a Tesla drives on. And so they could see that during the winter in places where there are no lane markings or the lane markings are obscured by snow, they would see, oh, everyone is driving like this. Like the, the autopilot currently uses lane markings, but it also uses the car in front of you 
mm-hmm. to monitor how you drive. So if, if the car ahead of you on a snowy road started driving between two lanes, just like, like you said, turning three lane road into two lane road, it would very quickly adapt to that. Mm. And so you wouldn't necessarily like, again, when you have a fleet of autonomous cars and there's no drivered cars on the road, you can start to use even mesh networking and the cars can communicate with each other to stay out of their, each other's way. And they might even, it, it, you either might get to the point that you wouldn't need to turn a two lane or a three lane road into a two lane road because they would all be operating together within like millimeter right. precision or they would all be able to just communicate and you wouldn't need three lanes because they're in such good communication and they would just be able to take two lanes and go nuts in there. Like you wouldn't necessarily have traffic jams because drivers are the reason that there are traffic jams because you're constantly slowing up and uh, slowing down and speeding up. And that's what like, it's that, it's that kind of, I use the word chaos very loosely. It's that kind of chaos that like unpredictability that causes traffic jams and traffic slowdowns. So you wouldn't have that in that situation. Yeah. So there's your TLDR of CGP grades video, by the way. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's that. not CGP Gray's idea. He's no, I know but yeah. it's, that came to mind. Like the illustration when you were talking about the mesh network and yeah. Yeah. I guess he, he illustrated that intersection where you wouldn't need traffic lights cause they're all just ripping past each other right. with precision. Mm-hmm. And guys, I take it back. Watson, Watson would be the best name for a car because then you would pick up your phone and say, Watson, come here. I need you. And then the car would come to you. Yeah. The, the, the unsettling thing relatively about winter driving is that if you did have that mesh network, there is a degree of uncertainty in road conditions. If you hit a patch of ice in a self-driving car, uh, either you'd have to have some kind of anchor system that comes out. Like, I don't know exactly how it would work. It wouldn't be like a traditional boat anchor, but some kind of system to stop it or every self-driving car that was on ice would have to detect it was on ice and drive super super carefully on it yeah cars already do that though not autonomously well kind of they they, they monitor the wheel yeah RPM there's anti-lock versus... braking are you talking right. about ab or abs yeah, or yeah abs yeah that and the well there's also loss of traction warnings yeah yeah, yeah. So, so that's what i mean that's yeah. that's basically what you'd need right but it, yeah so i'm saying i'm not saying that there's there's no existing warning system i'm saying if you have an autonomous car you can't claim 100% safety if the conditions aren't 100% predictable because you could just slide out. Like by the time you've detected a loss of friction, it's too late. You have no friction. You can't, you can, right. You can go into defensive mode if you detect the loss of friction at any point, like be on the lookout or be kind of on high alert that there could be a loss of friction at right. any time. The thing is, is that there's very predefined ways to handle skids and loss of traction all that kind of stuff yeah. so a computer is still better, better. absolutely oh yeah to, to handle that because sure. they'll respond literally immediately mm-hmm. whereas a person needs to be like oh crap what's happening oh right i'm skidding oh what do i have to do now right yeah they'll respond they to go immediately through that thought process and perfectly. by then they're smoked by like a semi right yeah. but a, an autonomous vehicle would be like okay my parameters suggest that we're spinning out so i better do this yeah but it's all instantaneous. They'll respond in the best way possible immediately like right. to the best, right. assuming they're programmed properly yeah. to the rules of skidding. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not like a stunt driver trained with emergency stopping or, or turning or anything on, on ice. But I, I imagine if you were building a self driving car fleet, you'd want to have engineers take all those things into consideration. Yeah. You could even in certain locales, have road condition flags, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tesla communicating with its server or wherever it'll say the road you're currently on is level three. Yeah. Drive this way. Yeah. And it's that's how it's gonna drive. Yeah. Right? I guess still with the possibility of, you know, driver override, but if it's working autonomously, it will behave according to the conditions that the road's warned. Yeah. And I don't know how I've never like first of all, I've never been in a Tesla, but I've never been in a self or i've never been in a tesla in winter conditions so i don't know exactly how that kind of system like there, there are other cars that have advanced um driving assist features like kind of skid resistance or automatic anti-lock brake emergency stopping type of thing i don't know how those systems react to ice but i assume that 
any car that's sold in places where you get those kind of conditions in the winter would have would have some kind of system set up for those conditions or tesla could take the route of this is not designed to drive in (laughs) yeah exactly adverse conditions use at your own risk yeah type thing right like even we we talked when google self-driving car was more of a thing we talked about how it couldn't like they didn't even try it in rain it was just like not gonna work but uh at a certain point if if a self-driving car is going to actually take hold, it would, it'll have to be able to do rain. It'll have to be able to do snow, any kind of conditions. You're not going to, the car's not going to just like, it's not going to work if the car shuts itself down anytime it starts raining or having any type of weather. Right. I wonder if you could have like, this would be tricky, obviously, but uh, did you hear stories of the people who were fleeing Fort Mac during the fires and how they had to drive through like walls of flames? Yeah. Yeah wonder if you could have just like an evacuation setting that the police unlock for you because mm-hmm. you basically have to drive as fast as you can out of a certain place. And I also heard stories of people like with wildfires in the mountains where the cops would stop them and be like, Hey, what you doing? They're like, I'm trying to escape. I would like to escape, please. And the police basically tell them, okay, well you need to get, like past that fire there so don't slow down right but i imagine huh. you know because computers handle everything better than we do yeah it would handle extremely high speeds better than we do particularly yeah. if they have radar then they can penetrate smoke and things like that right yeah when you when you talked about unlocking evacuation mode i pictured like the roof opening up in a helicopter <laughs> yes just coming up evacuation engaged go go gadget evacuation elon musk elon musk's voice comes on yeah i don't hello welcome to evacuation all i can think of is is cal from undergrads hey guy looks like you're evacuating hang on tight now uh so Mike, you put a, another little addendum to this. Uh, someone was looking through the fine print of of the new kind of, uh, I don't know if it's in this, the software agreements you sign when you mm-hmm. get a Tesla, but uh, trying to, n- or not allowing people to generate revenue uh, by putting their Teslas on ride-sharing services autonomously. Yeah. This well, is we- a weird one. Yeah, we we t- we brought up the Tesla rideshare network. We did, yeah. program thing a mm-hmm. while ago for different Tesla owners to swap vehicles when they're not using them. Right. So this is kind of related to this, but it's more like Tesla seems to be developing its own rideshare network where you're hailing a Tesla. Yeah. But Tesla doesn't want their vehicles being used with things like Uber or Lyft, um, where you're contracting out your tesla to be summoned by other yeah users non-tesla owners so you're legally agreeing to not you have your vehicle used for that purpose when you buy one or use their their autonomous driving feature i'm not like you said I don't it's know which just one the it autonomous that, that was the thing that i think at least from everything i read in the the actual like tesla press release was that you can't use um ride hailing apps like uber autonomously so you can't just send your car to pick someone up by uber but it doesn't restrict you from being an uber driver because you have a tesla right and it also doesn't restrict you from using that functionality with family members exactly and friends just you can't make money money. from it yeah so seems like a (laughs) non-story a kind of well if people are going to do it they're going to do it anyway and just like how are they going to find out right like so it's interesting though that it's tipping their hand more to their network that they're developing yeah yeah yeah. and kind of their kind of big picture view for it Mm -hmm. that it's it's going to be a thing i guess at the level of uber potentially if they're saying don't be involved with uber yeah so but uh yeah it's it's interesting but i don't think it's as much of a thing as as all these blogs made it out to be kind of yeah it's yeah (laughs) 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what, what it looks like when we actually get to that point. But yeah. I think people are just in, intrigued by the notion of this Tesla network mm-hmm. because it is an interesting thing and it's very wishy washy what it's going to look like. Right. All, all we know is that it's going to be for Tesla owners to share vehicles between each other. But other than that, there isn't much yeah. kind of shed light on it. So, Nick, we've had a story in here from you for the last probably month or so. It's, I was um, just thinking I, about it. It's about three weeks. And it's far more I've really important wanted than to talk anything about it. we've talked about in that time. Yeah. And so I, I honestly, like, really, I, I read this a while ago and I really want to discuss it. So what's what's going on? Well, the, as we said, the clickbaity headline is that the science world is freaking out over this 25-year-old's answer to antibiotic resistance. And what is that? What is that answer? The answer to antibiotic resistance might be not using antibiotics at all. That makes sense. Uh, who is the student? What's her name? Just let me um, read through this article here. This is great radio. Shu Lam, a 25-year-old PhD student at the University of Melbourne in Australia, has developed a star-shaped polymer that can kill six different superbug strains without antibiotics simply by ripping apart their cell walls. Hmm. And so, have have you read anything about this since? I'll pause for you to all, like, just sit in awe of how great that is. So since this it, came out, has have you read anything more, or is it still like this is early research coming in? And I like this is probably from a communication, so far mm-hmm. as I know. And if we're talking about something with medicinal applications, like this could take a very long time to reach the consumer stage. Yes, but I'm just so excited excited about it. This I believe this one came from my research staff yeah. as well. This this story seems like one of those things that uh, one of those stories you hear about how they end up they start doing clinical trials on humans and they get such good results that they have to stop the trial early because it just like it's such a better solution than or at least in in theory if it works as well in humans as it does in their in their current tests um, it's like why would we stop why would we ha- make people suffer through infections when we can stop them and there's no threat of antibiotic resistance. Like everyone is super worried about superbugs and things like MRSA in hospitals that give you infections that can't be treated effectively. And I mean, yeah. rightly so they're worried. Do, do we know how quickly this reacts? Like from the time that you introduce it to the system, how quickly it gets rid of the virus or the, the bacteria? I don't think so. Um, well, this is like petri dish, right? Obviously, at this point, but yeah, I would say fast. You should be able to extrapolate. Uh, based on what? Based on biology. <laughs> I'm trying to find the name of them too. They they call them snaps, and I can't find ah uh, structurally nanoengineered antimicrobial peptide polymers. So cool. Yeah. There's a picture in this story of these snaps attacking a bacterial cell. Yeah. I highly encourage you to go check that out because it is so cool. Yeah. I am. Um, you know what this makes me wish? It makes me wish that CRISPR was called Crackle because then we would only need pop and we'd have all our biology solved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just actually. thinking how much work goes into coming up yeah. with these acronyms. It it's a um, lot. I had a I, I had a frank talk about acronyms with a professor at McGill. She said that it kind of depends on the interests of the person that came up yeah. with it because there's one there at McGill called Mocha, and <laughs> the person that came up with it really 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 liked coffee. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is great because, I mean, we've, as reported in earlier episodes, we finally hit a wall where we have no antibiotics that can treat at least one superbug out there. So there is one superbug that we just, 
we are absolutely helpless. It, to yeah, treat. if you get it, you're either like it's back to the eighteen nineteen hundreds. If you get this, you're either going to yeah, fight like, through it. We can treat your symptoms, yeah. but that's about all we can do. It's up to your, your immune system. Uh, yeah, your immune system to take it down. Are are there no immune boosters that you can introduce? And I'm not talking about vitamin C. <laughs> what I mean, actual. <laughs> Wait, no. I, no, I'm, can, it's a legitimate question. I don't, I don't, help. I don't know how that kind of stuff works. Like to kind of support the immune system or the white blood cells to kind of put up a better fight than it otherwise would on its own. I mean, unless you want to do like blood doping, I guess. Yeah, like but you could take out with... your own white cells and then keep them in a jar mm. and then reintroduce <laughs> them later when you need them. That I guess like, like if you were blood doping for a sport or something like yeah. that, you could just, you say, okay, take out the red cells. I'll need those right before I go to the Olympics. But also those white cells, keep those in a jar too. Cause I might need those <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, these kind of treatments where we're not, we're not tweaking an existing type of molecule for our own purposes where we're actually building this, separate building or using this kind of superstructure to selectively take down specifically bacteria in this case seems like a way better solution like antibiotics as soon as we created antibiotics i'm sure think pieces of the day in newspapers or whatever uh, was before the internet i'm sure uh everyone like i know the doctors for for instance were like this is great but we're gonna face a bigger problem because that we know the bacteria evolve really quickly and this is probably going to get worse once once these antibiotics stop working as well i don't know like once when they discovered penicillin i can't imagine there was a whole lot of naysaying going on more because it was i want to say it was a more science friendly era yeah but at the same time newspapers were also kind of less dog whistle than they are sure. now if it was more like, here, we're going to write actual news and see how that yeah. works instead of here, we're going to try and figure out whether our audience is de- Democrat or Republican. <laughs> then we're going to write Democrat or Republican friendly <laughs> articles just to appeal to them so that they can stay in their echo chamber and really get riled up about, you know, whatever it is that makes them buy our newspaper. Yeah. This is a very politically charged episode. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, did you take that off of Vox's yeah. mission statement? A <laughs> little little blurb there i didn't um never mind and i don't nope. get it but i would like to talk about that later so let's put a pin it- in that but i'm really excited <laughs> about this because like now i'm no biochemist i don't actually know how antibiotics work specifically but if this is a different step that like is guaranteed to breach cell walls unless bacteria can somehow evolve to have different cell walls that would be a much anyway, bigger I'm super change. excited about it because this is going to be like the only way we can fight infection unless we get some really good antibiotics yeah. here. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's what I'm not sure. Like, do antibiotics boost the white blood cells to better no, attack no, no, the they, bacteria or does it directly attack the bacteria? I think it they attack, yeah, attacks it attacks the, the bacteria. bacteria. No, I know what no, this no, no, one the does. Antibiotics, the antibiotics in the general. Do they? Okay. Yeah, because like... You know how penicillin was discovered? Moldy bread? Yep. And there was this big spot where there was no moldy bread. And the guy was like, huh, that doesn't look moldy. What could it be? Yeah, the the way that antibiotics work is good, but it has to be, like, if it doesn't, if the antibiotic doesn't kill all the infection, all the bacteria, then it's effectively worse than if you had used no antibiotics right which is why they'll overpower antibiotics with broad spectrum antibiotics that's why they do it but again counterintuitively that makes it worse because when it when one does get through then you get this super powered one that takes over even broad spectrum antibiotics right but i just want my fever to go away so i don't care and and in in most cases (laughs) a fever is viral and so you shouldn't be taking antibiotics at all and this is where the problem gets started (laughs) okay so I've made the most basic Google search of how do antibiotics work. <laughs> and I hope I, it was a crash course video. I have learn.genetics.utah.edu 
And it says antibiotics work by affecting things that bacterial cells have, but human cells don't. For example, human cells do not have cell walls, while many types of bacteria do. The antibiotic penicillin works by keeping a bacterium from building a cell wall. And I don't... Human cells don't have cell walls? Not in the same way. We have the membranes, but not a cell wall. Oh, like not the big ones that like plant cells Mm -hmm. have. Is that... Similar, yeah. Okay. The same idea. Okay, so I was getting walls and membranes Mm -hmm. confused. Like, but I was like, but if they biology, don't have cell walls, why aren't we just a big pile of mush? 10th grade biology is flooding back to me, <laughs> looking at celery under a microscope. I, I actually, like, it's not 10th grade biology for me. It's the magic school bus. <laughs> and also onion cells. Yeah. Yeah. So we will, we will keep our eye on this, but <clears throat> everyone seems uh, very excited about this. People that know more than we do. And the science world is ablaze, obviously. But uh, th- well, you can't just write that the science world is freaking exactly. out without it actually doing so. Exactly. I'm pretty sure, like the Royal Society has to issue an official proclamation saying the Royal Society of Chemistry is officially losing it, <laughs> and then they're gonna be like, "Oh, we can report on this now." the The other interesting angle for, of this is the the focus on the fact that this is a 25 year old and i feel like we've forgotten that in the early earlier days of science everyone discovering like making big discoveries was in their 20s or maybe early 30s and the older you got the less likely it was you're going to make some big breakthrough discovery well that was mathematicians well mathematicians for a long time if you were over 13 and a (laughs) mathematician you just it wasn't gonna happen (laughs) <laughs> but it is the same way with like when you allow scientists, young scientists to really kind of explore and give them room to breathe and not just necessarily give them projects to do. This is the kind of thing you get. You end up with people making discoveries just because they they don't really have any experience. Yeah. They don't they like a lot of them might make mistakes or do something that is totally unproductive. But thinking outside the box or thinking outside the institution you end up getting these crazy crazy seeming ideas to someone who might be older but that turns out it works really really well well and also like the the one thing i really like that uh, tom wu said dr wu mm-hmm. of the university of ottawa was that putting fresh eyes on a problem can really lead to excellent results yes yeah. i'd I'm curious about this article because in most scholarly articles, there's usually the lead author or the lead scientist, but the article will also mention, you know, and the team at MIT or, oh, and her group at whatever. This article only ever talks about mm. her. This is also sciencealert.com. So that's, well, she's, that's yeah, she's the lead author, but if you go through to the paper, there's like 12 authors. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's just poor journal. Well, journal, no, it's because it, the, the, the bent of this story is the 25 year old. But I, th- I think it takes away from the team effort that probably went into this discovery. Like, I understand that you want to prop up, you know, a 25 year old non-white female. It's but not yeah, in a cynical yeah. way. Like I, that actually is a good thing. But I think that takes away from the rest of the people in her group. It's a better story. I think if it's one person, even if it's not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I agree on the story aspect, but. I think yeah. that takes away from it. Like if, if I was, if I was her, you know, number two assistant mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't know. Maybe she's the assistant. Who knows at this point, but yeah, she's a um, PhD student. So they're usually leading research mm-hmm. with an advisor yeah. above them though. Well, yeah, but they're not. All I'm saying is that it's, it's weird that it's just her ever mentioned in this article, like n- not even an allusion to more people being involved mm-hmm. in the discovery. Which maybe maybe she literally was the only person involved in this discovery, but I find that like yeah, not I think likely. like like you said, it's sciencealert.com and not necessarily representative of how like in the paper itself it's treated. Yeah, but uh, yeah, very exciting because like CRISPR, this seems like the kind of thing that it could not only be great for this one thing that they've been trying it on, but it seems like it could be more generally applicable to other well, yeah, types of maladies. You just have to. You just have to change the nanostructure mm. to affect 
different bacterial yeah. walls and you're off to the races. Yeah. It's man. I wonder what pop's going to be. <laughs> we'll have to reverse engineer. Will it be like PPOP yeah. or PAWP or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the one that takes down viruses. Yeah, definitely. There you go. So we got a few more minutes here. Do we want to talk about Mike? You you put Google Keep in here. I don't understand why this is in here. <laughs> it's number three, no, though. This is number two, or is it? Or it's number two? It's like two B. It's not so. Even, it's not. It's a soft Mike. Two. Would you rather talk about Nintendo or about Google Keep? I'd I'd rather <laughs> talk about. I want to talk about the ceramic iPhone because we've been putting that off. We've been putting that off <laughs> yeah? forever. I, I, I want to talk about the ceramic okay. iPhone, Rob. Lead you us down the You want me to talk about the ceramic iPhone? I do. I actually I really want to, want to hear about it. the ceramic, c- c- blah, ceramic iPhone as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So this is kind of the same thing as the car from Apple in that there was a piece that came out talking about patents that Apple had made for ceramics. And then by the time we, we actually got around to talking about it, it's now... There's other pieces that have come out and said, this is probably not what they're going to do, and here's why. Yeah. We should clarify that it really started when they announced the ceramic watch. Yes, although f- that that kind of crystallized it, but it had been talked about before. Like These patents are from before the ceramic watch came out. But okay. basically the idea is that ceramics are strong they tend to they're they're brittle they're they'll tend to shatter completely more than just cracking like glass would um wait ceramics they're strong but they're brittle like they're they're breaking is shattering yeah they have catas- catastrophic, catastrophic failure, failure is, is what yeah. they call it yeah that's the technical name for it you still are confused so yeah, okay, no, so it's I hard is i i don't think i'm thinking of the same like state of ceramics that you are it, yeah, it's hard in the sense that it doesn't mm-hmm. scratch and it doesn't bend, but when it does, it f- yeah. it's really bad. <laughs> so this is well, it's like a lot of yeah. products that you design to be really strong in that. So like like with with glass as kind of the counter exa- or the other alternative to a non metallic mm-hmm. material used in constructing devices, if you bend a glass device, it will start cracking and. Will even hold itself together, but just be yeah. splintered. But ceramics will just mm-hmm. fall apart and shatter. And th- this kind of ge- this kind of discrepancy and discussion kind of is the reason that I want to talk about this in the first place. And that, like Mike, you mentioned, there are materials like glass and other metallic materials that are used in smartphones. And both glasses, especially glass that's used in uh, in smartphone manufacturing, and ceramics are very highly based on metals there's a lot of metal in right. glass like it's usually aluminum silicate or some some kind of glass like that with other elements other metal elements infused and especially if you're going to have things like electronics built into the screen you're going to need those other metals involved and so ceramic to me coming from a kind of chemistry and I, I don't have a, a, a really strong material science background, like material chemistry, but ceramics and glasses aren't that different. If you go to, I went well, a while ago when we were going to talk about this, I went to the Wikipedia page for ceramic and it talks about basically it's a less amorphous glass. Like the ceramics are maybe made a little bit differently than glasses are, but they're made of a lot of the same kinds of materials. And so it, this uh this article which i'll post a link to from uh from i guess this is a guy who's involved in like kind of metallic manufacturing uh talking about why the iphone won't be ceramic he was making the argument that it's really hard to make custom mold ceramics in the numbers that the iphone comes in and just because it takes a lot of time you have to you have to fire these things at the end to actually make them as strong as they as ceramic ends up being and so making something like the Apple Watch body in ceramic is totally different scale-wise than making it for the iPhone. And that's why it would take a lot longer because each of those things takes really, really long to do in ceramic. And it 
it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily need to have this full ceramic process to get the properties of a phone to be strong enough to be considered ceramic like. And I think you could do a lot with, with glass or at least something that you consider glass in terms of manufacturing process to have a really, really strong smartphone or really, really strong mobile device of any kind that won't break or bend, but that is, uh, like radio transparent, for instance, is a really important feature of smartphones. You don't want to have, like, you can't have an entirely metal body of a smartphone because the radio signals won't be able to get through. And from a material science perspective, it's just really interesting thinking about what the differences are between glass and ceramic. And to me, at least, they're not really that different. The process might be slightly different, but overall, very similar. So I want to just jump in quickly mm-hmm. here and um, say I think like your definition of ceramic is spot on, Rob. Like it's usually metallic oxides or not quite salts because they're more yeah. network material. Yeah. But that was my understanding from like the the synchrotron radiation course mm-hmm. I took in that we talked a lot or we talked about many ceramics and structures thereof yeah. and how synchrotron radiation is used to resolve mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's, my exposure to this topic has been mainly through the uh, Accidental Tech podcast. They've had yeah. a couple discussions on it the past three or four episodes. Um, so I encourage anyone who's interested in tech at all to listen to their podcast, but specifically these uh, these discussions they have. I don't know if there's an easy way to bookmark or find the portions, but there is. Listen to the last four; you'll come across <laughs> a couple discussions on it. Um, but yeah, they they talked about the radio transparency being a benefit of of ceramic. But the manufacturing part was interesting to me, just because. With the watch, like you said, it's smaller, so it's easier to kind of mass produce these molds. But also, structurally, the watch is less likely to be problematic um, as far as the failure mm-hmm. modes go because you're not, it's not an elongated kind of exposed right. piece. It's compact, it's on your wrist, it's not in your pocket where it's going to be flexed mm-hmm. all the time, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so that's why it works for the watch. And also it's, it's a limited edition, well, not limited edition, but it's, it's a expensive right. watch that not everyone is going to get. So they don't have to literally mass mm-hmm. produce a ton of them. Like they'll sell a lot, but not at the same scale as, you know, right. the iPhone seven. Um, and then the other aspect was, you know, these guys, they were trying to on, on ATP, they're trying to figure out what the next material after aluminum mm-hmm. is going to be. And, um, you know, they, they kind of brought up as like, well, why does there have to be something right. after aluminum? Right? Like some stuff just, it works the way they're made. Why do they mm-hmm. need a different material? Um, though I hear what you're saying where you can get a really nice looking device made out of ceramic. Like you can have a jet black type feel that is almost entirely right. scratch resistant. Like so if, if you're cemented out of ceramic. I'm looking at some silicon nitride yeah. ceramics and that would just, it would be the height of Right. Open, so if that's what everything was made <laughs> when of. When you look at the old colors of iPhones, using iPhones, but any, any smartphone can, can work with this example. You have the rose gold, the gold, the black, and the silver in the iPhone 7. And they all look and feel pretty much like regular matte aluminum. And then you have this jet black that looks and feels nothing like metal. It really looks more like glass or a ceramic type material than it does metal. And that's because a lot of similar elements are involved and they take this, uh, like this very refined polishing process and they, they layer all kinds of things on it, on the metal to make it like it's Mike, you and I just, it's been described as tacky. Like it's, it really does feel sticky and it doesn't feel anything like any metal I've ever touched i don't know if you if you've ever experienced any other metal that felt like that but i really haven't and it makes me think that again again, you don't have to go full ceramic where it's going to take kilning and all of all of the different processes that go into making you never go full ceramic you you don't have to go full (laughs) ceramic in order to get the benefits of ceramic and in theory if you can if you can come from the other direction like you can go from metal you can start from raw aluminum and take it in the direction of making it more like glass 
like there's a there's a slow transition period you don't have to go either metal or glass you can mix them together and you end up with like similar to what you have with with Mm -hmm. ceramics or with glasses but what you can also do is real-time follow-up glasses are ceramic exactly that's what i mean and a ceramic is a specific type of glass but yeah they're very similar no um let me just pick this up make a bunch of noise a ceramic is an inorganic, non-metallic, solid material comprising metal, non-metal, or metalloid atoms primarily held in ionic and covalent mm-hmm. bonds. The crystallinity of ceramic materials ranges from highly oriented to semi-crystalline and often completely amorphous. Bracket, example, gratia, glasses, close bracket. Varying crystallinity and electron consumption in the ionic and covalent bonds cause most ceramic materials to be good thermal and electrical insulators, bracket, extensively researched in ceramic engineering, bracket. Okay. With no, such a Nick. large range hey, of possible yeah, options yeah, for good. composition yeah, yeah, yeah. structures. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> How do you turn this um, off? <laughs> I think it was broken there for a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, what I'm saying is you can come from the metal side and get to a, a material that has more helpful properties for an iPhone, like radio transparency, which is really important. But you can also go straight from the glass end of things, like a pane of glass that you'd have in your window, and add more properties to make it uh, be able to, for instance, have a liquid crystal display or an LED display in it, or a, or right below it. And you, you can put mm-hmm. electronic properties into regular glass, just like you can put ceramic properties into metal like these materials are all very similar and really it's just about mixing things around in order to get the properties you want when apple released their apple watch gold edition uh made of actual gold it was really if you go and look it was a it was a gold ceramic it was this really really highly processed gold alloy that they made and it it was way harder than regular just 24 karat gold while still being high, pretty high quality gold. And it, it didn't necessarily need to have any kind of other ceramic properties. It was, it's really just, they're, they're going out of their way to do a lot of material chemistry research. And it doesn't necessarily need to lead to something you would traditionally think of as ceramic or traditionally think of as glass or traditionally think of as aluminum to be a thing that exists in the world. You can mix these things together to get the properties you want and make a phone out of that. And I think that's what the next material is going to be. It's not going to be something we've already heard of or something that, that exists today. It's going to be a totally new material that is similar in a lot of ways to the materials we do have and use. It's, it's kind of weird how this idea of needing a different material is basically entirely for aesthetic yeah. purposes. Like what, what what's used now, there's nothing wrong with it. Like there's nothing that we're trying to overcome where it's like, oh, we need well, to get that's better not true necessarily anything really. I'm not saying there's no added benefit to ceramic, but as far as the motivation behind it is aesthetic and anything additional is just a bonus. Like ceramic does have good thermal conduction. Uh, that's what, no. that's what the auto reader just read. Uh, Insulation. <laughs> You just read most ceramic materials are... Oh, sorry. Insulation, yeah. Yeah, you would want to have a ceramic material that does have good thermal conduction, which would be a challenge, but not impossible, because metals are good uh, conductors of heat. And that's... Conductors. So you could... You would have to mix materials around, and you'd almost have to develop... I know, but... Well, what I'm saying is the motivation behind coming up with a different material is because they're trying to find something that looks different well, to integrate into their product. It's not like, oh crap, our phones don't get good reception. We need to come up with material that doesn't shield radio well, that's, signals. Yeah, that's like what they do. They've designed antennas, but they've designed antennas in a way that gets around that. Right, but then it, it, it like, that, and that is aesthetic. I agree with you, but that's okay. Like it, Oh, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it's interesting yeah. that we're talking about material science and, oh, it's strong, it's this, it's that. But there's really no reason to replace what we have now. That's well, the, kind the, of the reason to thing. replace what we have now isn't the back, it's the front. 
And the goal, I think, is to make them back in front out of the same material or similar material so that they're both, or at least that they both have the same properties. So that if you drop something, if you drop your phone on its back, it's just as likely to crack as if you drop it on the front. Or maybe I'm thinking, want to say that backwards. Neither one will break. You wouldn't, you want a screen that is strong enough to resist breaking from dropping at any height and they're getting better at it, but you still, there's still catastrophic failure modes where but, you're just going to have the screen right. shatter. Right. But the, the, the problem is, is that when you have materials, again, this is based on my mm-hmm. listening to people talk about it, but materials, you either have high strength as in mm-hmm. they don't scratch, but they shatter mm-hmm. very badly or they don't shatter, but they're very right. easily scratched. So it's one or the other. And ideally you're finding something in between where it doesn't scratch to the point where you just see scratches mm-hmm. when you look at it, but you also don't want it to shatter right. anytime you but drop there, it. There are materials that don't have that problem. And it's about incorporating those features into the materials that they're using. I think in the case of ceramics, you would have a very high thresholds for catastrophic, catastrophic failure and scratching, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it would fail catastrophically it, eventually, like most things. Would it has, eventually. it has to be transparent mm-hmm. though. That's the whole thing. And so you can't integrate too many different mm-hmm. materials right. into it while also maintaining mm-hmm. its transparency. And in all likelihood, we're going to move past this before we ever solve it. Like it, we may eventually get to a point where the the research they're doing now is useful for something. I'm, they, they undoubtedly will, right. but we're the next thing in what I'm going to call computing loosely now, but is that's probably not a great term. The way that we communicate with the outside world currently via computers, the internet, that kind of thing is going to evolve again. It's going to keep evolving and we won't necessarily have these little three to five to six inch slabs of glass and metal in our hands, but there will be something different, but it will still need the properties that we're discussing now. Yeah. It's like trying to make a better ham radio. (laughs) It's like, we don't, (laughs) <laughs> you don't need to do that because yeah. we're past that. Like yeah. well, at that time, we'd mm. be moving past it. Yeah, like I think we're very much moving towards a screenless society. Like as far as yeah. communication goes, it, when you're when you're consuming media and entertainment, obviously you're going to have a screen. But um, yeah, I think like you said, you, you're going to be having a different endeavor yeah. by the time you come up with something yeah. that would work. So yeah, I. Th- I think that's fine for discussion for now. I'm going to keep thinking about this because that's all I ever do. Uh, do you guys have any any last thoughts on ceramic or phone materials? I'm on Team Ceramic. Good. That's a no then from you, Mike. I I don't know. I I I believe Apple will do something. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna release um, new products and yeah yeah. I I, I do honestly enjoy seeing what yeah. they come up with like i didn't i didn't expect the ceramic apple watch i don't there may have been rumors about it but it was, it was cool to see them have that instead of the gold like i think the gold when they first came out with it was like well it's kind of pretentious <laughs> but the ceramic is like oh that's cool like yeah i don't know so yeah if they come out with a ceramic iphone even if it's like a special edition one then yeah that yeah, could be for cool sure. too. And then instead of the disclaimer of, oh, it might scratch, it's, it might explode in your pocket. <laughs> I don't think it would explode in your pocket. <laughs> not a la Samsung, but not, not a la the Note 7, but in a different way. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, thank you for listening to this week's Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat to see past episodes of the show and to see some of the links that we posted, including uh, going and reading that amazing paper about the 25-year-old who has saved us all from bacterial infection. That's not and her research. Not clickbaity at all. All right. See you next week. Ciao. Toodaloo. I always <laughs> like this. This chair is horrible. I hate it so much. And that's why I stretch at the end of every show. It sounds like you need a new chair. I do. This one's from Staples, and it was like, oh no, sorry. This one's from IKEA, not even Staples. It's like a sixty dollar yeah. chair from IKEA. Rob, I should mention that you look very Steve Jobsy. My turtleneck today. sweater. And the five o'clock shadow from three days ago. <laughs> I'm Thank kinda you. wishing you had a chain to go along with that turtleneck. I know. I really wish I had a chain too. A really thin ass chain. <laughs> <laughs>
a chain so thin like an insect stripper pole. <laughs> All right, you guys have anything else you uh you want to talk about in an after show? I, I should probably get going pretty soon. I just want to say that I do appreciate Google Keep allowing you to pin notes because that that was very frustrating to me that you couldn't do that. It's like there's certain ones I want to keep at the top because I'll keep right. coming back to it. But there's no way to do that before. And now you can. Well, thank heavens. <laughs> thank Google, really. <laughs> I um Exactly. You if you set a recurring reminder, they'd probably stay at the top. Why would I want I have that? Several with daily reminders <laughs> or weekly reminders in some cases. Good for you, Rob. Um Weekly reminder. Yeah. Sunday, two PM. Bother the guys to upload their damn files. They, they do stay at the top. The ones that are pinned. If they're reminders? No. Or not. Yeah, the ones that are that yeah. are recurring, repeating. All right. So, yeah, I've, it does pin uh, Google Keep. You can pin notes. But that's really all you wanted to say, is that you appreciate that. I do. I wanted us, because I knew that we the three of us use Keep. At least two of us do. I think Nick does, too. I definitely do. Yeah, so I, I figured we'd all appreciate it, but it wasn't worthy okay. for a show. 